Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Caussade, S.J., Book 1, Chapter 2, Section 7. The Hidden Work of Divine Love. The divine love is communicated to us through every creature under veils, like the Eucharistic species. What great truths are hidden even from Christians who imagine themselves most enlightened? How many are there amongst them who understand that every cross, every action, every attraction, according to the designs of God, gives God to us in a way that nothing can better explain than a comparison? with the most august mystery. Nevertheless, there is nothing more certain. Does not reason, as well as faith, reveal to us the real presence of divine love in all creatures and in all the events of life, as indubitably as the words of Jesus Christ and of the Church reveal the real presence of the sacred flesh of our Savior under the Eucharistic species? Do we not know that by all creatures and by every event the divine love desires to unite us to himself, that he has ordained, arranged, or permitted everything about us, everything that happens to us, with a view to this union? This is the ultimate object of all his designs. To attain this, he makes use of the worst of his creatures, as well as of the best, and of the most distressing events, as well as those which are pleasant and agreeable. Our communion with him is even more meritorious when the means that serve to make it closer are repugnant to nature. If this be true, Every moment of our lives may be a kind of communion with the divine love. And this communion of every moment may produce as much fruit in our souls as that which we receive in the communion of the body and blood of the Son of God. This latter, if it is true, is efficacious sacramentally, which the former cannot be. But on the other hand, How much more frequently can it not be renewed? And what great increase of merit it can acquire by the more perfect dispositions with which it may be accomplished? Consequently, how true it is that the more holy the life, the more mysterious it becomes by its apparent simplicity and littleness. O great feast, O perpetual festival, God, given and received under all that is most feeble, foolish, and worthless upon earth. God chooses that which nature abhors and human prudence rejects. Of these, he makes mysteries, sacraments of love, and that, and by that which seems as if it would do most harm to souls. He gives himself to them as often and as much as they desire to possess him. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, Apostle of Rome, Counselor of Popes, Vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What does the divine love desire? Well, the divine love in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit desires to unite us to himself. The Father desires to unite us to himself. The Son desires to unite us to himself and through him to the Father. And the Holy Spirit desires to unite us to the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit desires to draw us in to his own life, to unite us to himself. This divine love desires to unite us to himself. God the Father is this divine love. God the Son is this same divine love as received from the Father. And the Holy Spirit is this divine love as proceeding, as welling up, as bursting forth from the Father and the Son. This is what God wants. But I'm very small, or you're very small, or I'm very sinful, you're very sinful. Yes, but he desires it anyways. In fact, he desired this. God the Father desired to unite us to himself even before he made us. We exist because God loves us. This is even what reason in a way can tell us, that nothing would exist unless God created it and nothing would exist unless God thought about it. And nothing would exist, nothing would be created if God not only thought about it, but loved it. See, God's love is not like our love in this sense. Our love is always responsive to some existing good. But God's love creates goods. Because God loves us, he made us. He created us. Love is diffusive of itself. Love goes out of itself. Love pours itself out. And the divine love, which was perfectly harmonious between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, poured itself out in creating the world. Why? So that we could share in the life of the Trinity. This is what God wants. Everything that happens is in view of this union. This is ultimately what he wants, to raise up children, to share in his divine life in and through his Son. God the Father loved the world so much 
because he wanted a bride for his son. He wanted to give something to his son, to draw us to the son. And because we could only know his love, he sent his son into the world. And the son said, let me go, Father, to show the world what a great father I have. And the Holy Spirit said, let me go so that I can unite them to you and to the son. Everything that happens, everything in the church, all the sacraments, all preaching, all acts of service are motivated by the Holy Spirit to bring us into this divine life, into this divine communion. And the connection with the Eucharist is this, that there is the Eucharistic species, that is, species here means face or appearance. The Eucharist has the species or appearance or look of bread. But hidden under there is God the Son. And we are confident because he said, this is my body, and the truth himself cannot lie. The truth speaks truly, or there's nothing true. The truth has said, this is my body, and so we believe it. Why do we not then believe that the same divine person is at work under the appearances, the covering, the veil of the rest of our life? And if nothing happens apart from God's creation and God's knowledge and God's love, then everything that's happening to us, even if we're stuck in our bed, even if we're sick, even if we're homebound, everything that's happening is an opportunity to receive his love. Everything is an opportunity to receive his offer of communion. Communion here means union with each other. Is that as efficacious sacramentally as the Eucharist? I mean, does it bring about its effect so remarkably? No. Is the full humanity of Christ substantially present in your room so you should be genuflecting towards the air? No. But still, God's activity is there. The same activity which transforms the bread into the body of Christ, that same divine activity and power is at work in every moment of our life. So let us take great comfort. Let us seize the rest of Advent, all these opportunities of saying yes to God. And De Cossade is telling us in those moments, of the greatest pain in those moments in which it seems the least likely that God is here. When our nature revolts, when human prudence seems to say, no, this can't be the way. Let us remember the Eucharist under feeble, feeble, insignificant veils, coverings, appearances. God is there. And so, in the feeble, strange events of our life, we seek union with God because he's seeking union with us. If we love God, St. John of the Cross says, if we're seeking God, 
know that he's seeking us first. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.